The show of whales continues. Babe Laufenberg at 840. Cassidy Hubbard from ESPN. She was on the sidelines last night for the Mavs drama with Luca apparently wanting out. Kevin Burkhart is going to have the play-by-play TV call of Cowboys Niners. He's going to join G-Bag at 3 p.m. today. But we got the biggest whale of all, Greg Olson, color analyst yes, for sir. Fox on the Diamond Factory Hotline here on the home of America's team with Sean, RJ, and Bobby. Good morning, man. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Uh, first off, congratulations. Uh, it is very difficult on social media to be getting nonstop praise, as uh, Joe Buck would probably tell you, but man, you were trending over the weekend with uh, with your call of the game, so people seem to be loving you as the new media star, so early congratulations on that. Uh, well, I appreciate it. I don't, I don't know about that. I, it's funny. I, I, I joke with, with, with some buddies, like, you can always – it's funny how the same people can watch a game and, you know, the, you know, say it's this weekend, right? Cowboys fans, Olsen hates the Cowboys. Yeah. He <laughs> wants Dak to lose. And then, the, and then you'll, you'll see, like, right after that on, on, on the timeline, you'll see, you know, a San Francisco fan be like, could Olsen love the Cowboys any more than he does? Like, it's just funny. People, uh, this, the feedback on broadcasters right now, I feel like is kind of just like a trendy, a trendy thing. When did you get settled in? When were you like – I mean, was it last year? When did you get settled in even to, like, the number one spot where you where you kind of caught your groove? You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I haven't been doing it that long that I feel like I've really, you know, completely settled in. Each week, you know, there's a new experience. There's something new that happens in the truck. There's something new that happens during the game in the broadcast booth that, you know, until those things happen in real time and you have to kind of adjust on the fly and, and, and kind of you know, accommodate it. You, you really don't, you know, it's, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, so every week, what, what's cool about this is every week there really is a, a new learning kind of opportunity and a new experience that I had never, you know, had before. And, and that's what makes it fun. That's what makes each week, you know, kind of a challenge. And you're kind of anxious to see, you know, what does this weekend have to offer? But, um, you know, I, I've known Kevin for a long time. That story has been pretty well told. And, have a great comfort level with him in the booth and, and a great trust that he's going to kind of steer the broadcast, you know, in directions that he knows that I'm, you know, eager to talk about and excited to kind of explore and uh, to have that ability to just kind of lean on him to kind of steer the, just steer the broadcast and then just be able to react and talk ball and just kind of talk what I see is a pretty nice position. Um, you know, when you're, when you're me, you know, Greg Olson here on one Oh five through the fan, before we get to the 49ers uh, being on, Fox, you're going to have the Cowboys a lot with, with NFC coverage. What what have some of the production meetings been like? And getting to know some of the guys or the experiences or the stories with, with Mike McCarthy and Dak and, and being on the opposite end of that behind the scenes with the Cowboys? It's been great. I'll tell you, every time we, we have the Cowboys, I look forward. I, I actually have the, the I have Dak and, and Mike McCarthy and, and, uh, and Dan Quinn here this afternoon here in a couple hours. So I, I look forward to it. Every time we have the Cowboys, I know the – Production meetings are, are going to be highly valuable. The coaches are very open. They're honest. You know, some coaches you feel like, you know, the second they, they jump on the call, they're, like, ready to get off or you're kind of, like, bothering them and they're in the middle of something else. Mike and, and Dan and, and Dak, when we've gotten them, like, they are super engaging, super transparent, and, and we have some great conversations that sometimes you look down at the phone and you're like, all right, coach, don't you have to go? Like, I feel like you need to go somewhere. But they're just generous with their time. Um, it's been great. I, I didn't know Mike that well personally. You know, I've obviously I've played against him a new, you know, number of times 
all the way back to his time in Green Bay when I was in Chicago. But, um, you know, just spending time picking his brain, understanding how his thought process as a head coach works, not only schematically with an offensive mind and perspective alongside Kellen Moore, but then also just running the team, dealing with short weeks, practice schedules, adjustments. So it's really a cool insight for me that I find fascinating to be able to pick the brains of guys and kind of put some of these thoughts in your back pocket and say, you know, this is how you run a team. This is how you, you know, motivate players. And just there's all sorts of cool little nuggets you pick up from those calls. And um, Dan and Mike have been have been as good to us as, as anybody in the league this year. Greg, we've been uh, style pointing their games down the stretch. Uh, you know, not very good against Washington, the game against Jacksonville. Uh, we, we did not expect that. What did you see that they did in this game that they did not do over the last month of the season? Yeah, they, they, they picked their best. They picked the best week to probably play their best overall game or maybe, you know, amongst their best overall games. You look back to that game they had against Minnesota weeks back where they, they blew them out pretty good. They, they really put it all together. So, I mean, there's been times this year, and we've called some of them, where when you watch Dallas play, you say, you know, this, are we watching the best team in the league? You know, they, you know talent-wise, scheme-wise, coaching, when they, when they put it together on both sides of the ball and they're playing as well as they did last week against Tampa, they're, they're one of those teams that you look at and say, okay, this, this team is capable of, of winning the whole thing. And, um, you know, that Week 18 game, you know, it's no secret. Anybody who watched it, we were there in Washington for that for that regular season finale and uh they really struggled. They played poorly, really defensively they weren't they were okay. They they got put in some bad spots with the early special teams turnovers and then, you know, obviously offensively they didn't do a ton. But to see Dak and to see that offense kind of respond the way they did last week against Tampa, it's probably the most decisive Dak has played in these last couple of weeks. He was so clear with where he wanted to go with the ball. He was so clear with his progressions. Even when he wanted to break the pocket and get out and he saw some rush lanes, he took it. He, Dak was really, really impressive the entire game. The offensive line did a nice job kind of reconfiguring itself again. It seems like every week they've had to reconfigure that starting five, um, you know, obviously with, with Jason Peters going out. So I give a lot of credit to those guys. And, um, and then Dan, you know, Dan Quinn's defense, you know, they've been, they've been playing at a high level. They play so fast. It almost looks like the – the games and fast forward when you watch the film. So it's if they play like that and San Francisco plays like they have, I, I think there's a, I think this is the game of the year um, up until this point, at least on paper. Yeah, how do you see them matching up, Greg? And how do you think the Cowboys can pull off this upset? Yeah, I mean, I think you know when you when you look at both teams first and foremost, what jumps out at you is just no matter who has the ball, no matter which side of the ball you're you're studying there's just star all pro caliber players everywhere. So I think from a roster standpoint and from a talent standpoint, I, I think it's fairly close. You know, I think when you're, when you're on the, when you're on offense, if you're Dak and, you, and, and Mike McCarthy and Kellen, and you're putting this plan together, it all starts with accounting for that front, you know, that, that front now that has gotten healthy with Armstead after missing some time earlier in the year. Of course, everyone knows about Bosa, Kinlaw kind of getting his legs back under him, that, that defensive line, which has always kind of been, how they built that 49ers defense over the years with all those first-round picks. you, you got to account for them. You, you, if you don't have a great protection plan, if you don't have a great run plan to try to negate those guys, they need to force the 49ers secondary to carry the load, right? And that's attacking the ball downfield. That's running. It's going to be very hard to run between the tackles. It's going to be very hard. You know, you don't want to get into a third and long contest where you're pass blocking every time. So I think for Dallas being aggressive early, 
staying out of passing downs where now if you want to pass, you can, but you have the option of play action and not being so predictable because that front, you know, we've seen it time and time again. When that when they could put their four pass rushers in those track stances and it's third and eight plus and it's a passing down, it's tough sledding for anybody. So I think offensively that's what it comes down to. And then, listen, on defense, Dan's going to have a great – He's going Dan Quinn's going to have a great plan. And uh, the 49ers are a handful. We, we've seen it. They're going to have their plays. You have to do the best job you can limiting the explosives. And that's both long ball, you know, long throw – and that's also short throw, long, long run. And uh, it's easier said than done. They have so many different weapons and create so, such space with Shanahan's offense. It's going to be a challenge. Um, they're going to, like I said, they're going to get their plays. McCaffrey and Debo, they're going to get their plays. You just have to try to keep a lid on it. And you can't let a five-yard drag route turn into a 50-yard touchdown. And we saw that against Seattle last week. And, uh, you know, that's when the game kind of got out of hand. Greg, there's been a lot of discussion around here about this tight turnaround time for Dallas, playing a Monday night game on the road, coming back, then having to go uh, for a Sunday game on the road. Uh, first, a, a quick trivia question about your own career. Do you know how many times you played that, a, a Monday night game on the road followed by a Sunday game on the road the next week? No, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Once, once, 2012. You did it against Philly on Monday night and then went to Kansas City on the road the next week. But uh, – you talked uh-huh. about uh, McCarthy and and learning. And we lost. I, mean, I think we lost. And I think we lost them both, didn't we? No, you beat Philly. You beat Philly, and then you lost oh, to Kansas we beat, City. We beat Philly. We lost to Kansas City. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So you split them. But you talked about how getting to know Mike McCarthy. You've one of the things you mentioned there was his practice schedule and the way that he handles tight turnarounds. How difficult is this turnaround going to be? And and how do you think Mike McCarthy's approaching that? Yeah, I, I think his experience just from from doing this you know, from being a head guy for so long now, I mean, obviously he has a, a ton of experience to draw from and, and he'll rely on his vets to kind of get a taste for how everybody's bodies are feeling. And listen, if I was a Dallas fan and I was a Dallas player, I would probably feel, you know, feel the same way. I think when you look at it though, I think it all kind of plays itself out. I know in this particular week, Dallas kind of has the short week and, and San Francisco has the extra days and, you know, but frankly, and I'm sure Dallas fans are not going to love this, but when, when, you know, you're talking about from week 18 to the Monday night game that you guys played. Maybe you have that extra day or two, you know, that you had at San Francisco. They played on Saturday. You play on Monday. Tyler Biotish gets two more days with the ankle. Now he's healthy, so you go into the wild card round maybe a little more fresh. So I think at various points in the season, different teams had different advantages. I understand in this particular week having the two-day span, but, you know, 10 days ago, Dallas had the extra couple days and San Francisco was on the short week. So I think when it's all said and done, I don't think you're going to hear a lot of complaints out of Mike McCarthy or, you know, in the coaching staff and the players there, you understand in the NFL, you're, you deal with the hand that you're dealt. Mike will have a great plan for getting these guys legs back under him. And I promise you, when that ball is kicked off, Dallas will be just as prepared with, you know, their five days. If they had 10 days, they'll be prepared. They'll be ready. Their guys will be ready to rock. And, uh, I think once the ball kicks off, I don't think the the difference in, in you know time between games is going to have much of effect, much of an impact on the game. Greg Olson, join us here, 105 through the fan. Uh, Brock Purdy, uh, is he more game manager, or can he go get you and win you a game? You know, when he first, we, we called his debut, uh, we went out there and, and called his first game that he started against against Tampa and uh you know they they blew the doors off of of Tampa it was like 30 30 
28 nothing or 35 nothing at halftime or something crazy. And I think at the time, the, the consensus was he's got very good talent around him. He's executing a really good offensive system of Kyle Shanahan. And he's just got to go out there and just, just play his role and not do anything crazy. Don't put the ball in jeopardy and just let everybody around him win the game. And that was probably the case early on. But I'll tell you what, these last couple weeks to, to end the regular season and then last week in Seattle, he is impacting the game. He, he is not just playing the typical role of the rookie quarterback and just say, hey, stay out of the way, let everyone else do their job and make a couple throws a game. I mean, he is running that offense. I mean, you look, they got up last week on, on Seattle pretty big there in the second half. And, you know, you, the conventional wisdom says, all right, I got a rookie quarterback, a great defense. Let's just hand the ball off to McCaffrey a hundred times, punt, play defense, and let's get out of here. Don't let the rookie turn it over. They kept swinging. They kept throwing the ball with a the lead. They kept, I think they have a ton of confidence in Brock Purdy. He's proven that he can take care of the ball. I think he is impacting the game more and more each week, um, which is really impressive, you know, especially considering we all know the story of where he came from and how this all came to be. Um, I think it's a testament. I, I, I think we'd be doing him a disservice by just giving him the typical talking point that he's just out there kind of managing the game and just not really contributing because I, I don't think that's the case. If you're Mike McCarthy and Brett Maher goes out there and misses his first extra point, do you go for two the rest of the day? Oh, man, that's why Mike McCarthy gets paid the big bucks. I'll tell you so what. So do you. Hey, you ain't broke. <laughs> true. <laughs> he said true. 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 <laughs> you know, Flex. I, you know I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I think the whole world, other than maybe some diehard Cowboys fans that I'm sure were not happy, I, I think the whole world, I know I did, I, I felt for him watching that on Monday night. You know, you see a guy miss one, okay, two, Okay, and then you expect the next, like, three to go in, and you're kind of almost, like, rooting for him to make, like, a big 50-yarder before the half or something to just kind of catch his breath and then just to see him continue and end up missing four. That was that was hard to watch. Um, I, I think at this point in the season you can't overreact. If I'm Mike McCarthy, I'm not overreacting, probably not talking about it a lot. I'm, I'm encouraging him to just go out there and – What's your normal routine? What's been the routine you've had all season long? You've been a very accurate kicker for us. You've made some big kicks over the course of the season. So find that routine. Go back and find your rhythm. And early in that game, you're holding your breath. Because I think he needs – it's like a shooter, right, who's in a shooting slump. You, you need to see one ball go through the rim. You need to see one ball hit the bottom of the net. In this case, you need one ball to split the uprights. And whether that's an extra point or a 50-yard field goal on the opening drive, whatever it is, I think he sees one ball early go through I think he's going to take a deep breath and, and find your rhythm and um, I know that's what every Cowboys fan is hoping for to answer your question directly I'm considering it uh, I'll be honest I'm at least considering my fourth down um, strategy down in the red zone and, and I think you know we saw that on the little wheel that they threw for the touchdown to CeeDee Lamb you know they had fourth and three and everyone's saying all right they're going to bring out the kicker and he didn't and it ended up getting him a touchdown but I think if he hadn't missed all those extra points I think fourth and three there, you take the three and take the field goal. But um, I, I think that is going to be the most anticipated first point after try or a short field goal in NFL history <laughs> come Sunday. Hey, man, thank you so much for the time. We, we've been uh, wanting to get you on forever. Congratulations on a tremendous start to the broadcast career, and we'll all be watching on Sunday. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Greg Olson, Diamond Factory Hotline on the home of the Cowboys. Jane Slater in studio 
for phone calls and texts. Ask Slater, 877-881-1053. Next, the show of Wales continues. We just had on Greg Olson from Fox tomorrow, uh, Mike McCarthy. We're going to crosstalk. I hate, I hate this, this station the most of the local radio ones. It's San Francisco. We're going to cross talk with them again at 9 o'clock. Choppy has another playoff song, and we're going to have a former president come on the show at 8.40 tomorrow to Dark Roast, California. And right now in studio is Jane Slater getting her days mixed up, but that's fine. (laughs) We're going to have her for the rest of the show. That's the punishment. you got to stay for the rest (laughs) of the show here on Sean and RJ. Babe Laufenberg at 8.40. Sorry for crossing the show. I do take an exception with you calling it a bunch of whales. I'm on the keto diet right now, and I'm in a size two pant, and I'm really proud of myself. We were worried about McCarthy. I'm a female. You know how this works. We were worried about McCarthy. The first, when, when the show of whales got created, Troppy's like, I don't know if we should say this. Like, I don't want to offend Mike. I don't want to say anything bad no, about I'm him. I'm offended. Yeah, well, deal with there it. There you go. All right. AJA, <laughs> ask Jane anything on the phones, on the truckwreck.com text line, 877 881 105.3, don't get yourself in trouble. I feel like we have to filter you uh, so <laughs> you don't true. get in trouble with the NFL Network. All right, Chop, what do we got from the Tolos? Oh, man, there are a ton of people that want to ask this one question. What are the chances that you link with an average Joe? What is that link? Like, will date an date, average Joe? Whatever, yeah. Just I mean, an I've, average Joe. I haven't really ever dated uh a famous guy. I mean, I, I hate calling really great guys I've dated average Joes. I mean, I have a great boyfriend right now. I just don't post oh, him on Instagram. Whoa. Bobby, let me ask you if you okay. feel comfortable. Okay. What do you think has uh what do, what do you think Jane's type is or where you would like to see her improve? She doesn't have a type. Like the last four guys she's dated are all wildly different. Uh, like, I mean, in terms of like I mean, looks and everything. everything. Age, yeah. looks, high, like everything is different. Like like there's been way above her in age, way below her in My age. My current boyfriend is much younger. Really? Yeah, but he's probably one of the most emotionally and financially mature men I've ever dated. Um, what does that mean to be financially mature? Yeah, and what does what does much younger mean? So this guy, <laughs> <laughs> this guy, like you is, and Sarah, he's in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, Sarjay, Sarjay, Sarjay. This guy is in medical device sales, but is invested in a number of Airbnbs, and he's just crushing it. He's thirty. He's twelve years younger, uh, but he's just such a good guy. He's actually the first guy I've ever brought home, and my mom literally said, "Don't mess this up," wow. because they gave me. I've been known to date younger guys. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have the maturity of a 30-year-old, let's be honest. Uh, so they've always kind of, my dad's always joking with me, like, you know, Jane, can you quit pulling guys out of daycare and dating them? But they, they met my current boyfriend, and they're big fans. You know, he's, he's, very, he's a very good man. Where she most needs to improve, and she knows this because I've told her this, where she most needs to improve is recognizing earlier, yeah, time to walk away. You agree with that? I, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, y'all stop texting me, people that know me, about dates. Uh, Robert, uh, John, uh, she's taken, so not happening. Stop. Stop Stop trying to have me be be, be the uh, be the pimp. All right, here we go. This one comes in from a guy named Rex. Uh, are your toenails painted or natural? They're white. Always gel manicure. I go and get a mani-pedi every two weeks. White every color? Every two weeks? I do white. Okay. Yeah. 
But you I know, know the last time I did this for the fans. Oh, oh gosh. Ryan, Ryan, here we go. Let's set up the OnlyFans right now. <sighs> There's money tied to this. It you're just going to so give it away for free? The foot cam? Know your value. Do you always get white as the color? There you go. There you go. Do you always get white? I don't white think you would do it on You might do it on a foot That's finder. a charity post for the feet, guys. <laughs> do, do you, I don't understand a, I don't a get the, foot feet. I don't get the foot fetish. It's weird. I don't I don't get it. I told you my most creative DMer, and it's, I mean, it's borderline. It's it's lewd. Lewd. But it's 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 his creative writing that I'm I'm always entertained when he slides into DMs. I can't block him. Yeah, we, we, we have a stash of, of feet pics in case I ever lose this job. We're just going to post them. Like, he's used words to describe my feet that I've... I'll show them to you in the break. You post feet? No, but it's... there's Apparently, there's a page called Wiki Feet, and it's... (laughs) And the amount of photos that aren't even on my Instagram that are on there, and then people can go and rate it, and what's kind of creepy is they get your foot size right. Wow. Go and Google. Just Google Wiki Feet. And they've got all sorts of reporters and... Celebrities and things along those lines, but that that was new to me. All right, John, John in Dallas, you are live with Jane Slater in studio here on the fan. Go ahead, John. Yeah, quick question. And what's kind of creepy? Uh, I want to know, like, as far as what preference, as far as guys, (laughs) not necessarily, not necessarily like. Not necessarily like what you just described. Like I mean, like what's the preference? Like wild type, uh, more of them uptight type dudes. More of the dudes that like sports. More um, dudes that don't like sports. Uh-huh. Maybe the geeky, the geek type, or you know the jock type, like in high school. Or uh, like what is those? What is those type of guys like? Great, like, qu- be honest. Great question. You know what I'm I just like a pulse. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <Hey, store. laughs> she, uh, she likes a pulse on a Fitbit. No, but how about? Uh, it's literally it. been all over the place. Like I've dated guys who hate sports, and that's what I want to ask about, right? Because some guys get annoyed if their girls like acting like or yelling more than them during the game. You right. Know what I mean? So now you're reversed. So right. like, can he? Can he be vocal or act like he's a huge so, fan? Or does he have to shut up around you, NFL no. Network reporter? Like, I, I think for me, the like, most, don't challenge me in a sports argument. No, I think the most important thing for me is a quiet confidence because there. I mean, I think it is challenging. The, the, I think the feedback I've gotten from a lot of guys is, I think there's assumption I go on the road and it's just, um, it's a genre on certain sites that I'm out there and just. Mm hanging out with a bunch of men on the road or the other thing that's I think weird is when I've got some sources that have fake names in my phone but if a, a name pops up on Mexico yeah but if, if a name <laughs> pops up I think some guys might go well, why is that guy calling you or why is that guy ah. texting you right and so I think when a guy is confidence and like you're doing your job and they trust me those are the ones that work because I think sometimes it can be exhausting explaining to someone hey it's my job in order, you know, to be successful, yeah. I've got to I've got to be communicating with a lot of these people just as much as my male co- counterparts. All right, next one comes in. You've heard of the you've heard, you see this on social media. Uh, she's a ten, but <laughs> okay. What does that mean? Like, like, like she's got a yeah. I, I I'm I'm with you. You know, I've, done, I've got like a list of what you, of your butts. I baby Weird, talk I to my dogs. I literally treat my dogs like children. So give us that, a, I think, give us a line of baby talk. Baby birdie, <laughs> my little bird. Oh, I love my dogs. I'm obsessed with my dogs. I, I take a million photos of them. You name it. I'm also very OCD. 
More than Bobby? Oh, I'm I am intense. Like, if you like come to my house, there's not a pillow out of place. And if you don't make the bed right, you're going to probably hear from me so about the, it. the boyfriend has to be OCD. He is literally the chillest guy I've ever dated. This guy is not phased by anything. And I'm no, a No, but handful. I'm saying if, he, but that's if what his I'm saying, car like, is a little off, it'll drive you nuts. No, like, like, it's like, fine if their cars. Okay. But if you come to my house and you make a mess or you're not putting stuff in the sink, like that drives me insane. But okay. like I said, most laid guy, most laid back guy I've ever dated. Okay. What else? Um, thoughtfulness and just being great with my friends and family. I think that's important. Yeah, but that's not a butt, is it? Butt's supposed to be oh, bad. Me. Yeah, like a oh, dick. You. For you or for her for her interests? Like a guy being a 10. No, but. RJ's thing yeah. to her. Yeah. Okay. This I list. think she's a 10, but I overtalk everyone. It's something I've got to work on. You're I'm alpha. terrible at it. I am I am such an alpha. And I've 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 tried That's why to you say, and I fight. Right. <laughs> I've tried I've tried to alpha down. My dad always kind of jokes with us. He's like, I raised not just two independent women, two. Like T O O. Me and my sister are a lot. Hmm. You gotta date an opposite. I think. You have to. Yeah, and you that's gotta, the thing. You gotta a sub. He's got to be chill. The guy right now, a, like I said, even a the what? a sub. He's got to be a submissive. No, he's and that. See, that's what everyone's like. Oh, well, you know, then he's a beta, and I'm like, no, <laughs> it's just a guy that's confident enough in himself that he he appreciates a stronger woman. For instance, Kurt Warner. We know we've talked with Kurt Warner's wife Brenda is one of the most alpha females I've ever met, and they work so well together. George in Fort Worth. George, you are live on 105 through the fan. Jane Slater in studio. Go ahead. Yes, good morning. Uh, what is your favorite Mexican food and drink? <laughs> is there another Mexican drink? Oh. Besides the margarita? Sure. What? I like a Mexican martini. You get a, the Mex- the, uh, you get a ranch water? Oh, Mexican. Ranch. ranch water's awesome. You call them ranchies, though. I'm like Troy Eatman and Babe Laufenberg. I love to go to, to Monkey Bar. That's like one of the best spots in Dallas. It's upstairs in Highland Park Village, uh, Mi Cocina. Meso Maya is another one. Well, what about your... Order your dish, your food order. Well, I'm on that keto diet, you know. Well, if you're not on keto, I mean, I'm basic. It's like a, it's like a taco salad. I'm not, you know. It's like when people come to Texas, they're like, "What's the best barbecue? What's the best Mexican?" I'm like, I don't know. That's all. I'm not a foodie. Yeah. What's your gorge meal like? You're out 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and you're starving. Your pig out meal. Oh, it's just trash food. Like if it's like yeah. nacho cheese Doritos, I can finish off a bag or just a whole box of, you know, like those large boxes of goldfish. Goldfish. I have the I have the palate of a two year old. Of Kevin Hagelin and Bobby. Ollie and I probably have the same palate. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. This this is kind of a football question, but kind of not. I don't know if it's inappropriate. If it's inappropriate, tell me. Uh, F. Mary Kill, <laughs> Kingsbury, McVeigh, Shanahan. That's easy. You know how I feel about McVeigh. Kill. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. Whoa. Why? Who the other ones? Oh, you don't uh, have to get Shanahan it. and Kingsbury. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, Don't get in trouble <laughs> with the F part. Well, Kyle and I went to college together, and we're very, very good friends. Whoa. Yeah, name drop. Uh, but his wife, Mandy, is a little scary. So I'd, so, I'd, so wait, I'd have to. What do you want to do? I don't know. That You're putting me in it. You're putting me a. That's a tough one. Why and Cliff the, is one of my really good friends. Why the. I mean, look at all the smoke show girls he's dating. So I guess I'd want to try the F. Over in Thailand. <laughs> Why, Thailand, yeah. why Why? the McVeigh issue? Don't we, get, were, we were one time don't get at, in trouble. <laughs> you know me. I can't help myself. Don't worry. Don't, uh, don't we answer were, it. No, I'll be honest. We were at Combine one year, and we were standing around with a bunch of my male colleagues. And I wasn't even standing 
that close. Do you guys think I'm a flirt when I'm around? I actually think I'm like the opposite of a flirt. I wouldn't say work ever. I mean, I think you're kind of cold in a work setting. Yeah, I think I'm cold. I think I'm cold too. Like, like, like I, don't I think, think if I go out to practice in Oxnard, ten practices, I might say we might say hello one time. Yeah, like, I you're don't, just like racing back and forth and. Like I work with some reporters that like part of their thing is like it's a little charm, right? I think I'm a little cold. You're a bulldog. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah. so. I'm standing next to Sean McVay and he goes, "Hey, Jane." <laughs> If you wouldn't mind, <laughs> could you stand a little further away? I don't want people thinking there's something going on. Oh, and Lord. I was so, I was a little offended about it. I, I've talked about it a few times. It still just angers me. Yeah, but women. Because I'm sitting yeah, there going, come on, bro. Look, First some... of all, I'm older than you. Well, that's, not that that's your time. Me, not appropriate. But that stopped you. I'm, I'm sitting there going, you're not saying this to guys like Mike Silver or James Palmer who I was saying. I don't know. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, but you women are crazy too. Yeah, his 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 girl might, she might, she might be having might binoculars. Have she she might. might see it on TV. Who I'm was not that? trying to shoot my shot with that. Eight, seven, seven. I'm just not interested in guys in our business, period. All right, Jane Slater is here until 10. Here we go. 877-881-1053. That's a punishment for screwing up our schedule. Um, at 9 o'clock, Cassidy Hubberth from, just for Corey Majors. We got Cassidy from ESPN. So we'll do more Ask Jane Anything at 920. Let's bring in Babe Laufenberg to preview San Francisco next. It's Sean, RJ, Bobby, and Jane Slater with the surprise. Oh, Drop by in studio to get us ready for Cowboys San Francisco. We'll do another AJA at 920 this morning. And Cassidy Hubberth from ESPN with all the Mavs drama last night. With Luca asking for help. Cuban saying the story is not true. So we're absolutely loaded on the show of Wales. And that includes Babe Laufenberg, who finally, or maybe he already did, has something in common with Peyton Manning because when Peyton went viral for this Monday night during the Cowboys-Buccaneers game, Laufenberg, we had to think of you. You were the first player to ever bring this up to us. This was Peyton Manning on the myth of halftime adjustments. Coming out of halftime, all those halftime adjustments, it really paid off right there. That I don't know about you. I don't think I ever made a halftime adjustment in my entire 18-year career. I think that's the biggest myth in football, the halftime adjustments, right? You go in, yeah, but you, eat, you use the restroom, you eat a couple of oranges, and then the head coach says, all right, let's go. Yeah, I know quite. I mean, you're in there for like three minutes. Yeah, you know? There's no time. Jane, you got a quick chime in? I just love that he said that because it is one of those questions as reporters we're always asking, what was said at the half? Mm-hmm. What adjustments are made? And, and to have a player tell you, and it makes sense, because think how quick it is even when we get up to grab like a quick snack in the press box and they're already well, back on the field. Yeah, but how are we just hearing this now? <laughs> babe, 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 you were the first one, man, so thank you for that, being ahead of the curve. <laughs> well, I've, been, I've said it forever. I just laughed, and it, it really is a lazy way for announcers to say, wow, they made some, look at the halftime adjustments. They, they have no idea what they did. And I love it when they say that. To me, you can say they made halftime adjustments if you then tell me, here's what they did. You know, they brought in a safety to play the linebacker spot. They're, now they're playing press coverage. They're playing off in the first half. You just saw, hey, the team's doing well. Oh, great halftime adjustments. But I, mean, I don't want to say Peyton's right. But I mean, we're all right. You don't have time. Babe, I was curious. He brought up something uh, that was interesting to me. 
I've got the smallest bladder in the world. How hard is it to run to the bathroom during series? <laughs> and when was the longest holdout you had? Now, granted, I know that you weren't exactly what, what starting that many four quarters, babe. No offense. Whoa! I'm just, oh I'm just, God. I'm saying. But I'm. Dang. How hard is it for some of these players? Sheesh. That wasn't a slight, babe. I promise you. No, it was totally a compliment. Well, no, it's harder <laughs> broadcasting. Oh, see, that's a great point. I know. Uh, because you're older. The bladder doesn't hold as much as you get older. <laughs> and here's a confession. A few times, you know, and then, the, as you know, Jane, you're up in that press box. Yeah. Uh, the restroom may have two stalls, and it's 40 yards down the hall. So yeah. there have been times where I just pee on Brad Sham's legs. <laughs> and- I don't know if we could say that. Well, Scott Hansen's that. talked about this when he does Red Zone. I'd have anxiety every day. Yeah. That's yeah. just me. You didn't, uh, See what I add to the show, baby. Yeah. I'm on here. We have a prep, hard hitting. We have questions. a prep, te- uh, prep text chain the night before. And how long was your longest hold of the bladder? Was Peeing not on Brad's leg. Wasn't on there. Was, was not- it part of your bingo <laughs> card for this one? It was not on there. <laughs> was uh, not. All right, babe. Set us up for San Francisco, man. I'm I'm terrified. I'm not very optimistic whatsoever. Help 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 me. <laughs> You know, I was discussing this with somebody yesterday. They were like, oh, we're going to lose. I said, what fun is it to be a fan? And I know we're technically not fans, but, you know, you live in the city. And what fun is it for the fans out here that follow the Cowboys, that live and die with the Cowboys, to go into a game saying, oh, we're just going to get beat. We're going to get beat. If we don't get beat this week, we'll get beat next week in Philly. (laughs) Right. I mean, I'm always like, for any team, right? Hey, here we are. Let's go. Let's go. Let's see if we can do this. And uh, obviously, you know, there's 32 teams in the NFL. Only one of them is going to finish on a good note. But, uh, yeah, if they if they play the way they played against Tampa, there's no question they can beat San Francisco. San Francisco, uh, again, probably a better team. You play them 10 times, San Francisco's going to win six of them. Um, but you get to play those other four, too, where you get to win. So, a lot, of, a lot of things happen in a football game, as we know. Probably no better example than, I mean, it happens every week, but, you know, Baltimore and Cincinnati, they have 14-point swing. They're going in for a score mm-hmm. of Baltimore. There's a quarterback sneak. Quarterback reaches the ball out. Stupidly, I might add, on third down. Never <laughs> reached the ball out until fourth down. And the uh, ball gets poked, and suddenly it's a 14-point swing, and the game's over. Uh, so, the, you know, ball takes funny bounces, and you just got to hope it bounces your way. Babe, I, I'm under the, the belief that last year they were not prepared for how physical San Fran was in that game. Do you think that they that, that game helped them this year be a little bit better prepared for that first punch in the mouth they're going to take? Well, I, I, let me. I would disagree only in the sense that, you know, all these teams are physical. They really are. There's not a soft team going. Um, now, I, I think one thing that did get them – in the mindset of is we got to get bigger at that tackle position. It's one of the reasons why they went out and got Jonathan Hankins uh, mid season, you know, for the run defense, they, they just weren't as big and physical from that standpoint. You know, they could get pushed around because they didn't have that kind of size. Now that's the flip side. If you want to be that fast, speedy, go get the quarterback defense, right? <laughs> You're probably not going to have two fat asses sitting in between the tackles, right? <laughs> Just taking up space. No, you got think of like a guy like Ted Washington. Remember Ted Washington? Yeah. I mean, he was a good player, all that, but, he, you know, he was going to occupy about three feet to the right of him and three feet to the left of him. But you, you weren't going to get anywhere in that six feet of space he had. Now, if you wanted to run outside, he wasn't going to come near you. <laughs> but the Cowboys didn't have that. Again, they tried, I think, to get a little bit of that with Jonathan Hankins. 
Babe, uh, looks like San Francisco has had trouble at different times this year when I've watched them dealing with tight ends. And I know Dalton Schultz has come on pretty strong in recent weeks. Is is there an argument to be made that, you know, Schultz's impact may be just as important this week as somebody like Lamb? I think it has to be across the board, honestly, Bobby. I think they're going to have to get contributions from, from everyone. Um, and that's the way playoff football is. <laughs> you, you can beat – Beat teams probably of the, that aren't as good as you with not getting contributions, if you will, from this position group or that position group because you're better. Uh, it's going to be all hands on deck. Uh, I mean, I truly believe that. They're, they're going to have to be able to run the ball somewhat. Now, San Francisco, obviously one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL, run defense. But they're, they're going to have to figure out a way to not drop Dak back 50 times in this game. That That's not sustainable. <laughs> The passing defense definitely a little sus, so maybe that gives Cowboys an opportunity there. I'm wondering, when you were looking at uh, the game tape, Seattle essentially looked like they had them on the ropes a bit heading into the half. Obviously, they blew them out when they came back. But is there anything the Cowboys can take from that first half with Seattle heading into this one, babe? Yeah, Seattle had the lead you know, halfway through the third quarter. And then, as you say, they did, they did get blown out by the end of it. But, um, no, I mean, I think you just have to be – you have to do the things you do well. You have to emphasize the things you do well. I almost think playoff games, you get less fancy, if you will, than the regular season because you, you've gone through a whole regular season and you've seen kind of what works, what you struggled with a little bit. So you get into the playoff games, and, and to me, the experimentation time is over. You just say, hey, okay, we know we do this really well. Let's just do more of it. Babe, we had a fight breakout yesterday, shockingly, Uh-oh. on this show. Uh, Purdy versus Garoppolo. Bobby and I think that Purdy's a better player, and Choppy was saying we're disrespecting Jimmy. Is Brock Purdy for real, and what is he in in what you've looked at on tape? Yeah, he's for real for for six games, right? I mean, he has played well, and sometimes I do think you go and you, you just see stats at the end of the day, and then you go look at the tape, and you say, wow, well, he got away with this one. That should have been intercepted. This one looks lucky. He, he is playing well. If, if you did not know he was a rookie, seventh-round pick, all the stuff we talk about, you would just look at him and say, man, this guy's playing playing well. He's making really good decisions. He's throwing it away when he has to. Now, part of that offense, too, when you're doing all those bootlegs and play actions, you only read half the field. You don't, you're not scanning left, middle, right, that type of thing. So it really helps out uh, a younger quarterback. But Hey, it's it's on him. Ultimately, he's a guy pulling the trigger, and I think he's just done. Uh, uh, there's no secret here. Fantastic job, and he he does kind of remind me a little bit of Dak, not in play style, but you look at what Dak did at Mississippi State, right? Not not a traditional power, and he had that team at one point ranked number one in the country, and they won ten games, eleven games, and then he left, and they weren't quite as successful. And Brock Purdy. Same thing. He had 46 starts there at Iowa State. He's played a lot of football. Um, and then he left, and last year, Iowa State goes 4-8. and eight. So those guys, those two guys have kind of carried teams on their shoulders. They don't necessarily have to do it now. But then you look at it, hey, Tom Brady last week, right? They, they get Brady. He was starting his 48th playoff game. <laughs> it was almost, almost 400 starts at the NFL. Brock Purdy last year was playing in the cheese at Bowl. And, and now ball. he's sitting here playing ball. the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I so, love Jesus. Yeah, very good. Uh, he looks—he just looks very calm back there. I'll tell you. 
Babe, the Cowboys added a uh, a kicker to the practice squad, but they are going to go with Maher. We think. We think. Uh, <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you do? What do you do about the Maher situation in game this coming week? Well, I, I the one thing you can't do is panic. So you, you have to have a game plan, and they will going into that game. I mean, they'll watch them kick here today and tomorrow. And, but you can't – whatever you decide, in my mind, you got to stick with it. So if you say Maher's our kicker and we're sticking with him, if, God forbid, he misses the first one, you can't then panic and say, okay, well, that's it, that's it. Um, I, I would I, – you know what's funny? I would like to say it would be great if he got a short one to get, his, get in the groove. But, you know, he missed, including Washington, five straight PATs. He has hit 10 straight from 50-plus. So wow. maybe the best thing for Maher is to put him back there at, like, 58. Uh, give him a shot. Uh, I'm kind of half kidding. But um, half. I, 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 hey, I'm like everybody else. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I'm like, my eyes were deceiving me or something because, again, he, he was 50 of 51 on PATs. He had two blocked. And so to, to watch him do what he did uh, in Tampa, and I, hey, I know nothing about kicking. So, but sometimes that's the beauty of it, too. I guarantee you that there's not a, you know, Zach Martin is not saying to Maher. Hey, Brett, I don't want to intrude or anything, but I think your plant foot was about a half inch inside. <laughs> where it should, right? right? You, you, hey, if you are golfing, every RJ's been there. If you are golfing and you, you know, ball's going a little sideways, everybody's got a tip for you. Hey, you're, you're mm-hmm. a little quick at the top. You're, you're a little quick. You're a little quick today. That's golf in you're general. Right. Yep. The, the kicker, you just look at him, and then you walk on. Hey, babe, real quick, because we, uh, we got Cassidy Hubbard from ESPN. I know you uh, had some thoughts on the coaching carousel, the Sean Payton, all the all the coaching news that's taking place right now. Yeah, well, here's the interesting part to me, Sean, is there's eight teams left in these playoffs, right? Seven of them are offensive coaches. Seven of them are, came from the offensive side of the ball. The only one that's not is Sean McDermott. So all these openings, it's almost like, you put a sign on defensive coordinators need not apply. Right. Everybody's looking for that guy. Hey, Denver, they're looking for somebody to get Russell Wilson back to where he was. And these other teams are looking for that guy to develop their young quarterback. So, uh, Chris, I mean, Sean Payton obviously is interviewed, I think for every NFL job he coached. Remember he was out of football for the year suspended. He coached his son's sixth grade team. Yeah. Do you think he interviewed for that position? I don't think so. Or do you think he just said, hey, I'm Sean Payton, I'm going to coach? <laughs> right. Kevin wouldn't James. It if, wouldn't it be great if somebody wanted to, you know, uh, stick their chest out a little bit and say, well, we're going to have to interview you, and I'm going to see what other candidates are out there. <laughs> we'll get back to you. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Fantastic. As always, have a great trip. The great Babe Laufenberg on the Diamond Factory Hotline. Drama, Luca Drama at the AAC. Cassidy Hubberth on the sidelines for ESPN was there last night. She joins us next.